Good morning, evening, afternoon, whatever time it is when you're listening, and welcome to the Digitally Uploaded Podcast. I'm Matt Sainsbury, Editor-in-Chief of DigitallyDownloaded.net, and with me this week we have Matt. Hello, Matt. Hello. Hello, hello. Long time no see. How you been? Um, I've been up and down. I've been sick. I've been healthy. I've been busy. I haven't been not busy. <laughs> It's Such that time a, of year. Life, yeah. It's that time of year. Yeah. Too many too many things happening. Yep. Chill out a little bit. Uh, <laughs> we've also got Trent. Hello, Trent. How are you doing? Oh, good. I've also been busy, been sick, you know, the usual things. Have a hangover. So I'm part of the hangover cast this week. You know, the usual. <laughs> <laughs> All good. Excellent. So um quickly tune in to the news from last week, the exciting bits of news that happened uh, to start things off. I was quite happy to see the first trailer for Langrissa 1 and 2 HD on the Switch. Um, that's probably a franchise that not too many people are so familiar with, but back in the day it was kind of considered right up there with um, with Fire Emblem as a tactics JRPG that everybody needed to play. So, yeah, the 3DS one um, came and went and was disappointing to most people, I think. But this is obviously a remake of two of the classics in the series, and hopefully it turns out well. We still haven't even got an English announcement yet, but I think it will happen. I think there's enough fans out there in the West for it still. Um, yeah. Uh, what about you, Matt? What's your highlight of the news of the last week? Um, the highlight of the news is not really a news yet at the time we're recording this, um, but... SNK is teasing um, a new game announcement in a couple of days. In fact, it'll probably actually be announced by the time the podcast gets published because they're saying the 10th of September. It'll be uh, SNK Heroines 2. It'll, it'll, I'm guessing the, the easy guess is King of Fighters 15, but that would be good. That would be good. Uh, A new Samurai Showdown would be better. But Samurai Showdown doesn't have Athena in it. That's fine. Doesn't need Athena. That's a blasphemy. That is a real blasphemy. <laughs> Maybe they can have some new characters. They can bring no, Athena. No, no, no. The one thing that King of Fighters does not need is new characters. At all. It needs less characters. Yeah, that's true. that's yeah. true. Trent, what about you? What's your pick of the news of the week? Well, I haven't really been following the news, so the only thing I knew all about was the Nintendo Direct, which then got cancelled or postponed. So I, I guess that's not really news because it didn't happen, but the aftermath of that is obviously things like, you know, Civilization got leaked, um, slash announced, then you've got things like File Emblem, uh, File Emblem, Final Fantasy, um, the Pocket Edition, which got, like, announced as well, and... Then you've also got everyone which is all boohoo. I didn't get my like 30 minute advertisement and wants free games for it, which is pretty stupid. So, um, yeah, basically, I guess I've more been looking at the aftermath of basically no direct than you know any actual news this week. Yeah, that that direct isn't going to have the impact that it would have had if it wasn't delayed, unfortunately, because a couple of the kind of key announcements have already been leaked, like you said, Civilization VI, and um, the next Yoshi game was also kind of accidentally leaked. <laughs> we, all, we all assume it was uh, something they were going to announce during the, um, during the, the direct, but I think it's not going to happen now. So yeah, that direct is probably not going to 
be the exciting one since people already know all the exciting stuff. But anyway, on that note, we will we will go to some Vocaloid music, get everybody off into the podcast on the right note, and we will come back and we will talk about, well, we're going to talk about civilization, actually. Like in general? Yeah, exactly, in general. It's bad. Yeah. Wow. And welcome back. I hope that music put you in a good mood. Uh, we're going to talk about civilization to start the podcast this week because, like Trent mentioned in the little introduction that we have, um, the Civilization Six port to Nintendo Switch was kind of leaked by accident. Um, it was probably meant to be a direct um, thing, uh, part of the Nintendo Direct show, but uh, because that was delayed, 
sleuths then went and hunted around the Nintendo site and found this entry for Civilization VI on the console. And now we all kind of know it's going to happen, which is great because I love Civilization um, and I'm looking forward to being able to play it on the go on my little handheld, the console that can. The Switch has actually proven to be pretty pretty good for strategy games. I've been playing real politics quite a bit uh, over the last week as well. And um, yeah, it's it's not something you'd expect to have on console because traditionally really hardcore, in-depth, grand strategy games have not been uh, a part of console experience. But I'm certainly happy that it's happening. Um, I know you haven't played a Civilization before, Matt, but uh, are you going to give this one a go because it's on the handy, convenient Switch? Um, I probably will because it's on the handy, convenient Switch and that makes even bad games good. <laughs> um, no, I tease. Uh, I've, not nev I've never been a big fan of strategy games because I find them too daunting and confusing, but Civilization seems intriguing. And if it's on Switch, I can play it at my convenience and just dive in and out when I when it gets too much so I think that'll be good I'm also very intrigued um, I don't know what the plans are for DLC for the switch release but there was the I think I think the most recent DLC um, rise rise and fall does that sound right Yes, that's the one that's not actually in the base game that's been yep. released on the Switch, as far as we know. But knowing Thank 2K, you. they won't be able to resist putting yeah. the DLC in there at some point. Well, that, that's that's what most interests me, so maybe I'll wait until that comes out. Um, but there was something I was reading about it when it first came out. Um, it was a review by someone... I'm, I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing this right. Um, Sharang Biswas... Um, for a website called Ready Set, wrote a review talking about how it basically how it changes to some extent civilizations focus on just endless conquest and taking over like violent colonization and balances things out a bit more so you can be more you can still be successful but with by using more, more diplomacy um, and generally not being being more collaborative with other nations than trying to take everyone over. And that seems like an interesting direction for the series. So that is what intrigues me most about it. Yeah, I mean, Civilization's always had that issue where it's, it's a very Western understanding of uh, a strategy in that um, military conflict is pretty much unavoidable and uh, it, it's not necessarily the only way to win. You don't have to conquer every country in order to to win civilization games especially the modern ones there's other other routes like uh being you know winning the space race or, or whatever but uh definitely military conflict is inevitable as part of the process of going from the start of civilization to, to being the winner and uh, it, it's certainly a game that really pushes you to expand your borders constantly uh and grow bigger and bigger and it's very imperialist in that way i guess so some other strategy games have been pretty decent at uh, offering alternatives uh, and giving you the the opportunity to to be a non-imperialist power but for civilization to do that that's a pretty good thing uh, and i hopefully i mean i haven't played civilization 6 myself i played all the ones previous to it um i'm certainly i'm certainly keen on this dlc if it comes to the switch just to see 
how that plays out and if it is as effective as some of the write-ups I've seen of it have yeah. suggested it could be. It would be good. It would be very good. Yeah. So like from what the thing I'm reading is saying, it's got a new loyalty system. So basically, if you are too imperialistic, your citizens get upset and it makes it harder to be effective as a nation. Um, and if it gets really bad, you can end up just like driving yourself into a dark age. Yes, yes, I've um, I've read that as well. I hope I hope it works out that way. I, it'll be really good. It, it just depends on how I guess it balances out everything else because base civilization six is still probably probably pretty conquest focused. Mm. Um, so yeah, but you'll like it, I think, Matt. You'll like civilization. So, it, I know you're not the biggest fan of strategy games out there, but this one, this one's kind of the gateway drug to grand yeah. strategy. <laughs> it's definitely the most accessible. That's the impression I get. Definitely the most accessible. Once you once you get the hang of this one, you'll be ready to to graduate into stuff like Nobunaga's ambition and yes. and then the really serious stuff after that. Um, but what about you, Trent? Are you a fan of Civilization? Yeah, I, I, I know you. I know you'll play it yeah. because it's on the Switch and you play everything on the Switch. But yeah, uh, <laughs> on the Switch. Uh, no, no, I, I've I've played Civilization since about Civilization Four was probably when I got into the series. Uh, I sort of looked back at the older ones and were like, oh, these not, not really for me. But like, yeah, once it became like sort of like the, you know, hit 3D sort of thing and expand a bit better, that's when I got into civilization. And yeah, like each one still has its own little nuances and extra little things they do. And then it's taken out in the next game. And, you know, it gets a little bit annoying like that because there's some concepts which work really well. And then, oh, this could be cool if it gets expanded upon and then it doesn't. But Six sort of did that really well in terms of they collected a lot of ideas and sort of made a more coherent game out of it, I guess. Um, and also, like, the DLC you're mentioning also um, reminds me a lot of um, the um, Beyond Earth or whatever that title was called, the one where they're on Mars and sort of, like, collecting more corporations and you know rather than nation states and then there's like a little bit more to do in terms of like um building and you know being more like they're barbarians essentially aliens but there's more communication and stuff in that game so it looks like they've sort of learnt some of those lessons and what they've utilized in that game to expand into the dlc for um civilization six there yeah, yeah, it's um, there. There is a lot of scope. There has been quite a lot of DLC for Civilization Six. I know that, uh, and again, we don't know exactly what's going to be in the Switch version as yet. We'll probably have to wait for the the direct to actually clarify that. But um, yeah, it, it'll be good to see. It'll be, hopefully, hopefully, it's it's great. Um, I've been playing Civilization since the second one, uh, way back when. And actually, Civilization 2 was the first game that really kind of encouraged me to learn after playing a video game. So I was um, Civilization 2, when you built the great wonders of the world, which were these ma massive projects that took forever to build, the game gave you a little video of um, that wonder, and that really inspired my imagination. And after I kind of played that, I, I started to go and research all the various great wonders through the history um, from the obvious ones like the pyramids and whatever to the ones that I didn't really know about before, which were you know, stuff like hanging gardens and um, of Babylon and all that kind of stuff. So 
yeah, I, I learned a lot from Civilization, and I, it's kept with me through the years. And it was probably the game that got me into strategy games at the start, and I play a lot of them now. So hopefully, hopefully, um, Civilization Six on the Switch helps to find a new audience for the game and get more people involved with strategy games and fingers crossed learn a little bit of history in the process because that's probably the best value i think civilization has um and on that note we'll go to some music i'm not sure if we're going to find anything interesting from civilization i know it has a good soundtrack oh, that's oh, yeah, too. it's got a good soundtrack um all the civilization games to do it's just a matter of whether we can find find the perfect track because it's the, the music of civilization is obviously quite reflective and in the background because you spend a lot of time listening to it these games are long games um but you know if we find something interesting that works for the podcast we will play it now everybody so we're going to talk about thq nordic which is we don't usually talk about a particular publisher uh when with the podcast we usually talk about games and or, or developers but thq nordic is a publisher that is really it's come a long way in a very short period of time really um so a bit of history to kick things off originally there was a company called thq and that company went bankrupt badly um that was what about a decade ago now i want to say a decade uh and then there was a company called nordic games and nordic games didn't go bankrupt and indeed nordic games bought the rights to the thq name um and a couple of the properties uh that thq had a couple of the franchises and it rebranded itself as thq nordic 
And since then, the company has just gone ballistic with buying up every license it can possibly find, really. Um, it's got, well, just over the last couple of months, it's released Deblob all over the place, uh, that great colorful platformer thing. It's released Titan Quest on just about everything, that Diablo clone, that is pretty damn good. Uh, it's got Darksiders coming up, um, the third one as well. And it's just bought Kingdoms of Amalur, which was a open worldish RPG uh, that EA had previously published and was a catastrophic failure in commercially and sent the developer bankrupt after just the one game. But THQ Nordic has bought it and we assume they plan on doing something with it, which would be pretty good. Oh, they also have time splitters, don't they? Yes, I believe they also have time splitters. So yeah, they've, this, this company is just growing and growing and growing. And it's one that I think uh, a lot of people weren't really paying attention to. Uh, it's kind of a, it was a mid tier publisher as such, but at the rate it's picking up licenses and doing new things with those licenses, it's going to be a pretty major one pretty soon, I would imagine. Um, Matt, what are your thoughts on THQ as a company? THQ Nordic, not THQ. THQ was a pretty bad company. That's why it's no longer around. Um, I'm reserving judgment until I see what they do with time splitters. Because <laughs> yes. either they'll do it justice or they won't, and that will d determine, determine... Maybe they'll make a good game. That, yeah. <laughs> that would be good, actually, for that series. Time splitters was great. Even I like time splitters. I don't time, like shooting. Time, yeah. No, but yeah... Uh, it was uh, a yeah. big pickup for them. Yeah, I re really like the types of this, and I'm looking. I one assumes they'll do some sort of remastered collection, which would be good. Um, poss possibly even a new game, which would be better. But yeah, I think it's. I'm really impressed by what they're doing, and quite surprised. I wonder where they where they have the money for all these acquisitions, but <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? They've they've obviously got very deep po pockets because they've yeah. also purchased. Um, they also acquired another publisher in Deep Silver. Deep Silver is a pretty pretty major publisher in its own right. It has licenses to Atlas Games in the West, or not in the West, in in Europe and Australia. Um, so it it's big in its own right. And THQ Nordic just bought it. I don't know. I don't know where <laughs> they get all their money from. But they obviously get a lot, but. Yeah, I think their strategy seems to be so far to take these properties and release the originals on modern consoles. So that's where, you know, you can get Deblob and Deblob 2 and Titan Quest and all that stuff um, on current consoles because of recent releases. And I imagine that will happen with Time Splitters and Kingdoms of Amalur as well. And I would assume that they then use that um, to kind of figure out the, the long-term viability of that franchise, whether it's worth to creating a new game or how much budget they should throw at a new game in that franchise, depending on how the originals sell on modern platforms, which is, yeah, there could be a lot if people keep buying them or if people yeah. buy them a lot. They could just put it on the Switch, anything will sell on the Switch. Yeah. Yes, anything would sell on the Switch. Um, Kingdom. Oh, Legend of Korra was another one. Legend of Korra, I think it was. That was, that's like that action platformer thing with the Fox character. Um, THQ is licensed for that one as well. I what? That was, was a, plat a platinum game based on the cartoon. Oh, was it? Well, I'm pretty sure yeah. THQ Nordic has the license for that one too. Like this spin-off of Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, is that where it came from? 
Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. They also have Black Forest Games, the one which made um, that Gina Sisters uh, Kickstarter remake thingy. Oh, they actually own that, do they? Oh. See, this is the thing. THQ Nordic, every time you see a game, a game it's probably, <laughs> just, just probably published by them by yeah. these days. Yeah. yeah definitely, you know. It, I do, aside from Time Splitters, I do hope they re-release Kingdoms of Amala because that was a very enjoyable game despite its commercial failure. I think it that... was. It really was. I was actually disappointed um, on behalf of EA, which is not something I generally say. <laughs> but I thought that EA deserved to be rewarded for actually backing that one because yeah. it was good. It's It plays a bit like, a, I guess, a single-player MMO, which was not a thing that was that common back on the PS3 era when that game came out. And it certainly scratched the niche, you know, being able to play an MMO-style game without having to deal with other players. Yeah, yeah, it was a big I think, thing. Yeah. I think it um, began development as an MMO, and so that's why at some point they decided not to do that, but there's a lot of that same DNA in there. And, yeah. yeah, the result was really good. I think it was... I think it was... One of the first platinum trophies I ever got, which was, if you know me and open world games, I don't often <laughs> spend enough time with them to actually do all the side quests and all the other nonsense that you have to do to get that. But especially that, was, that one, that was that was yeah. a particularly big game anyway. That um, it, it would that would have been a serious time commitment, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I'm impressed. <laughs> that was back before the days of. A switch and six thousand games coming out every hour. <laughs> so yeah, there was more time. I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping for a new Titan Quest myself. Um, that would be good too. I love Titan Quest. I really, really love Titan Quest. Perhaps, ooh, this is going to be controversial to say it, but perhaps I even like it more than Diablo itself. Um, I don't know. The Greek, the Greek setting really gets me, um, and it's well written and it's it's good fantasy. It's good fantasy, uh, and it'd be great to see a new one because the Diablo clone genre as such is really taking off anyway. So I'm hoping that Titan Quest has sold enough on Switch and PS4 and whatever to justify a new one. Because that's the problem with THQ uh, in Nordic. It has so many properties now, it doesn't actually have to create a game in any <laughs> of them if it doesn't want to. Um, it, it can certainly allow the market to really decide which games get the green light because it just has so many properties. Or it could and... just keep re-releasing them and people will buy them because they're like, oh, I remember this. This was like from like yeah. the 90s or something. <laughs> Nostalgia sells. Yeah, it does. And it sold to me. I think I've got yeah. like six different versions of Titan Quest now. <laughs> I remember this. I played it in 2017. Oh, the nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. THQ Nordic's in for a really good time when the PlayStation 5 gets announced. Yeah. Um, because they'll be like, yeah, okay, we're, we're going to support the PlayStation 5 with 72 games on launch. Yeah. And um, they're all ready to go. What about you, Trent? Tell us of all those THQ Nordic games we've been talking about, which ones appeal to you? You didn't play Kingdoms, Kingdoms of Amala, did you? No, I, I, I feel like I'm really, like, there's probably not really much I've actually played of them, and I don't even remember playing D Blob when it was even a THQ game to begin with. <laughs> uh, I wanted to get it, but I never did. I played the mobile version. Does that count? There was a mobile version of D Blob. Yes, there was. Oh, okay. It was like less cool, but it existed. Um, yeah, um, there, there's a few things. Hell, they've published uh, This is the Police. That's that was cool. That was great. Everyone liked that. 
Um, <laughs> That's right. They did too. They did. As, they did that one. The second one just came out, didn't it? Yes. Yeah. Oh, is coming out. Yeah. Oh, and they they published Legend of K Anniversary, didn't they? I think. Which I, that might be the one I'm thinking about when I said Legend of Korra. It might have been Legend yeah, of Korra. Yeah, I think so, yeah. 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 Yeah, that's THQ Nordic. Yeah. Yeah, so so, so those those sort, sort of games, are, I'd be a little more excited for, like, more of those uh, picking up more indies and, you know, the more obscure stuff. Um, a, a lot of the stuff they've collected into their catalog, I haven't really experienced, so I might pick up them if it's like, oh, well, this seems interesting, or this is new, this is exciting. I, so... I don't have the nostalgia to sell me on it, but I've got that. Oh well, I didn't play this last time. If it's coming on the Switch, then yes. <laughs> Even though I well, I'm, I'll, I'll, console. <laughs> I'll tell you now, Trent. If Time Splitters, if Time Splitters comes out on Nintendo Switch, you should absolutely pick it up for split screen multiplayer on the go, which would be great. That would be heaven. Yes, it would be. It'd be great. Time Splitters is good. Very good franchise. And because of a whole, it sold really heavily on the fact when it first came out, the fact that it was like, um, you know, GoldenEye and Project Art, Project Art, Perfect Art, Perfect Art. Yes, that's the thing. Yeah, like it sold sold heavily on the fact that it's like, you know, it's like rare games, and yeah, it sort of like seemed like it was riding too heavily on, you know, other people's heritage instead of saying this is its own thing. Like, I didn't see too much uniqueness there to be excited for the game, especially at launch. So, it has a level creator. Everything has yeah. a level for creator these days. No, but back then, having yeah, well, been able to create. Especially on console. Yeah, exactly. Back then, being able to create your own multiplayer maps for Time Splitters on console, yeah. that was. That was gold. <laughs> I bought it. I bought the game originally uh, just for that reason. And yeah, I, I probably ended up spending more time playing it than. GoldenEye, I think. I yeah. think it, it was it was a major part of the multiplayer cycle for a long time at my household. So, and also just the weird characters and time travel nonsense. Yeah, and yeah. The, it's complete lack of taking itself seriously. Yeah, the self awareness yeah, awareness of how stupid it was until the third one. Then that kind of tried to. Oh yeah, I never yeah, played Time Splitters. Yeah. yeah, it was only Time Splitters, Time Splitters two that I spent any time playing. I didn't even play yeah. the third one. I don't think I was over the first person shooters by then. But I <laughs> will give THQ Nordic a chance with Time Splitters. Yes, yes. On that note, I'll, let's I'll try, try and let's try and find some Time Splitters music. <laughs> That'll be good. Um, we'll try and find some Time Splitters music again. I can't promise anything. We actually haven't researched the music before recording this podcast this week, <laughs> which was very naughty of me. Usually we actually pick out our songs beforehand so we know what we're going to play, but we don't right now. Um, and I'm going to sit... <laughs> I'm going to set Alan the challenge of actually trying to find some Time Splitters music to play. Uh, if not, if not, as a backup, we might do Tyson Quest. There you go. That'll, that'll do it.
And welcome back, everybody. So, for the final section of our podcast this week, we are going to talk about games, amazingly enough. Um, what? Yes, I know. That's Madness. a shock. Well, about <laughs> movies. Maybe we can want to be a movies podcast now. That'd be cool. Uh, uh, movies are bad. Only weird people watch movies. We, we can talk about Marvel movies because, like, Spider Man is out. Yeah. At least the Spider-Man movie was good. Um, okay, so, but we are going to talk about games. We're going to talk about games that from, from the last couple of generations, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, uh, if, you, if you want to turn them that way, that still haven't had a HD remaster and we would love to see one. There's not that many of them left because pretty much everything gets HD remastered these days and re-released because it's easy money for the publishers. And fair enough, um, if they're going to release them, I'm going to buy them, that's for sure. If it's, <laughs> if it's a game I like. Uh, but there are a couple. There are a couple that we're still waiting on. Uh, I'll start. I'm going to talk about the one that I keep begging Goichi Suda himself to port every time I see him because I go to Tokyo Game Show and he's always around. And we actually do catch up pretty much every year. Um, Lollipop Chainsaw. I really, really want a HD remaster of Lollipop Chainsaw because that was a very good game, um, good fun action game, but kind of brawler, modern brawler. And it was controversial, obviously, because I had a cheerleader and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but what people don't seem to realize, I, I, I think more the people who haven't played it than the people who have, but um, it was it was quite subversive. It was uh, certainly a... Um, it, it was not the exploitative kind of experience that you would think about going in. It was it was kind of the opposite of that. And it was hilarious as a result and really well written. It was actually, um, it was written by James Gunn, the guy who would then go and direct the Guardians of the Galaxy films. So had a lot of talent behind it and was a really good game. I don't know if either of you played it, but it was, it was one I'll certainly recommend if there's a HD remaster of. I played a bit of it, like usual. <laughs> I mean, well, I if you played a bit of it, then you probably got pretty much the whole way through. It was only like four or five hour long game. Um, it was nice and short, which was good. I and I do think that's to a hall, if that makes sense. There was like a, there was like a gym or something. Ah, uh, you're probably about a third of the way through it then, from memory. Hmm. Yeah. Did you play it, Matt? I didn't. I and I want to, and so I also want to. HD remaster, mostly just because of things you've said about it over the years that I've known you. <laughs> yes, I do tend to talk about it a bit because um, <laughs> it's just stuck in my memory. It's it, it's just yeah. such a vibrant, exciting game. It has an amazing soundtrack. It's uh, a lot of licensed music in there, and it's just you know the, the music that they pick for it is just spot on every time. Uh, and because it's so short, because it is only four or five hours long, it never gets dull there's not a single second in that game that doesn't belong there uh and there's no padding and it's just it's just great it's a it's a real that, that, that sounds like bad value for money <laughs> bad value for money but good value for art yeah there yes um, what about you matt what's a what's a game um that you are waiting on a hd remaster for not including near because you know that goes without saying <laughs> that really um, goes without saying um everything but one game that I am curious to play and never got a chance to, so an HD remaster would be good, is Heavenly Sword, um, which was, I think it was a PS3 launch title. Oh, Ninja Theory. Um, it's, yeah, and it's 
Ninja Theory um, is one of the reasons I want to play it. And um, it's, unless I'm mistaken, Rihanna Pratchett was the writer of it, who also wrote the first two Tomb Raider reboot games and various other things. Yeah, um, it's actually really good game i never finished yeah. it i played it for about two or three hours um but it was kind of like god of war but smart um, yeah it's kind of and I, I guess it never back in ps3 days it always looked like from the from the box art it looks like this kind of trashy sort of what's the what's the right word like l- low budget pretend god of war game that's probably not very good but everything i've learned about it and more recent times makes it sound a lot more interesting than I think a lot of people gave it credit for. And so a remaster would be a very good way to play that. Yeah, it was kind of the game that Sony used to really show off how good the PS3 was back when it was $1,000 and um, <laughs> nobody was ever going to buy it for the first half of its lifestyle so uh, life cycle. So uh, I think a lot of people missed out on it because it was that launch game for a console that nobody wanted at the time. Um, but... Yeah, unfortunately, I don't see that one happening <laughs> because um, Sony owns the rights to it. Obviously, it's a Sony Sony published game, and the developer it now belongs to Microsoft. So, how you yes. how that would be resolved would be an interesting one. I think I actually think that Ninja Theory still owns some rights to it as well, um, <laughs> which would just make the licensing of it all the all the harder. And we'll have that conversation probably in another week again. But yeah, it's. Um, the, the the licensing in video games makes it impossible for some of those classics to get uh, a second look, unfortunately. Yeah. But I hope I hold out hope for your sake because yeah, it was a good game. It was definitely a good game. Apparently, Andy Circus was one of the directors of it, according to Wikipedia, which is not necessarily <laughs> it <wouldn't> su- accurate. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it, it wouldn't surprise me. It did have. It really had for especially for its time. I mean, it probably looks a little bit dated now. If I was to play it because it has that realistic character model design going for it. Um, And it was an early era PS3 game, but it certainly had the cinematic qualities at the time. Um, And it was certainly impressive still when I played it in the second half of the PS3's life cycle. Um, But yeah, it'll be good. That'd be a good choice. Good choice, Matt. Very well done. Yes. Trent, what about you? Name a PS3 uh, earlier um, game that you would love to see on any uh, on your switch yes even though i've got everything on the switch i live on the switch <laughs> um well I, I was you know when we were discussing you know game tiles i said you know kumi but you know because obviously i've only played the second one that sort of thing and it would be great to revisit it but then i was thinking what about lost kingdoms lost kingdoms 2 was the only one which i played but great gamecube titles they were like we're going down whoops we lost Trent there. <laughs> I think he had to. <laughs> I think he got a call away to another conversation. But I'll pick up the conversation for for Trent's they, uh, benefit Sorry, because I, I did play Lost Kingdoms um, back on the GameCube, and they were very good games. They were actually from software games um, from before Dark Souls, and when From Software was doing things that were not just Dark Souls ish. Uh, but yeah, it was really good. It was uh, like a card game thing uh, where you'd collect the monsters. You'd collect these cards with monsters and then you'd throw those cards out into the battlefield and it would summon the monster that would then do the fighting for you and you needed to... Um, yeah, you'd end up with a pretty big deck of cards and you'd, it was kind of like Magic the Gathering meets an action RPG thing. 
Uh, Matt, you wouldn't have played that, but if you played the you played the original, um, the first Knights of Azure game, it's kind of yeah. similar in tone to that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it was good. It was really good back on the GameCube, and the GameCube didn't have too many JRPGs, so that was nice. On speaking of GameCube, Eternal Darkness is another one that we. No. Yeah, that was a good game. I like that one. No. I've really had great it. music. It's, it's it had amazing play. music. I've, I've never played it, but I've heard so much about it that I really want to. And it's one yeah, I, it... I really, really wanted as a child. I like really wanted that game. So I've gone out, I purchased it since, you know, obviously the GameCube era is long gone. So I've gone out and purchased it. I put it in my GameCube. I fired it all up. I'm like, this is shit. It's not aged well. It's it's really clunky to play. It's not a great experience. It is a horror game, though, so um, <laughs> the the clunkiness is kind of excusable within the context of horror games. Another, again, that's a discussion for Halloween week, I guess, when we'll talk about horror games. I'm sure, <laughs> but yeah, it's not good uh, horror game design. <laughs> no, clunky, clunky, clunky is good game design yeah. in the context of horror. Uh, I find. I must say, yeah. I mean, speaking of horror games, I'd love to see some of the Fatal Frame uh, Project Zero games get pushed onto the Switch. Now that Nintendo part owns that franchise, it would only ever be on the Switch. But I'd love to have Fatal Frame Project Zero 2 on the Switch. That would be great. That's a great game. That's an absolute masterpiece, that is. Um, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, that's the only other Wii U game that I'd actually want to see HDized now. Now that I've got Captain Toad. And I'm pretty happy about that. I don't think there's much else on the Wii U that was actually worth saving. <laughs> I'd rebuy all the Zelda remakes. Just putting that out there. Oh, yeah. The Zelda remakes are too. Um, I'd, I'd rebuy the Metroid Prime trilogy. I know you wouldn't, Matt, but... I'd buy it, just throw it in the bin. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't... I don't like <laughs> Metroid, but I don't... I don't know, like, Metroid's always been that weird shooter game Nintendo makes, if that makes sense. Like, I never really got into it, and, you know, so I've played, you know, the Game Boy Advance ones, that sort of stuff, and I'm like, oh, these are okay, and then I've sort of played a bit of one of the Primes, I can't remember which one, I think it was two I had, but, and I really like, I really liked Hunters, Hunters on the DS was great, I'd give it that. Um, and I actually liked the, um, the pinball game as well. So if they just remaked all the DS ones, then we'd be set. Metroid. Metroid is like fan art for aliens. Um, it just, yeah. So like how a lot of fan art is better than the original. Yeah. I see what you mean. No, no, Matt. No, Matt. That's a very bad take, Matt. Um, what else? I'd love to see Kingsfield 4 to, to brought into the world of HD and released on consoles like PS4 and Switch. Everybody talks about how great Dark Souls and whatever is. Well, I was a fan of that stuff well before everybody else was. Um, Kings <laughs> Kingsfield. Kingsfield's the hipster Dark Souls. Um, yeah, it, it was a game that was absolutely slaughtered by the press back when it was released, but I played it and loved it uh, obsessively. And I would suggest that actually, if they were to re-release it, it would probably get a different look the second time around. That's one of the good things about re-releasing some of those older games. Um, they give 
critics and con uh, consumers and whatever a chance to reassess what they thought of it because we mentioned near earlier i think given what near automata did i think if people were to replay the original near they'd probably have a different opinion of it because it was also a bit slaughtered in the press unfortunately on release um but yeah kingsfield definitely if you get a chance if they give it a hd remaster get a look into that one um and i'm not sure what else there is because like I said at the start, a lot of these, uh, an awful lot of games, especially the ones that are actually memorable and worth playing, have actually already had HD re-releases or have HD re-releases on the horizon. So the ones that we've mentioned are probably the relatively few noteworthy like, ones. Like if, if last year, we would probably would be always saying, oh, Kafra needs a you know, re-release. It's getting one. It's like... getting one. Yes, yes. <laughs> It's great. That's what that that's exactly right. Um, or another good great example is the Legends of uh, Heroes um, games. Those uh, those were the, the first two anyway, released on the PS3 and um, Vita, and did really well. And people love them, but they're getting a PS4 re-release anyway. I don't know if it's actually got an English announcement yet, though. Matt would know if Matt's uh, around. They don't and. They're both coming out in Japan earlier this year, actually. The HD remaster of yeah. the two of both of them? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you've got to assume it'll come. You'd hope so. Well, you've got to assume that 3 and 4 will come, but there's still no announcement for those either. Yeah, Exceed's been very lazy recently. Very lazy. They're too busy too busy localizing like the groping Senran Kangura game. <laughs> and the... um. London Detective Mysteria. That looks good. Yeah, but it's not Legends of Heroes, Matt. Yeah, but it's the same localization <laughs> editor. Anyway. Anyway, yes. Well, if, if all goes well, THQ Nordic will listen to this podcast and pick up all of those games. Yes, they should buy from <laughs> software and just re-release all from software's games. Like 3D Dot Heroes, that needs a re-release. I didn't play that on PlayStation 3 because I didn't have one. If I was on PlayStation 4, I'd pick that up in a heartbeat. Oh, yes, that was a From Software game too, yeah. I was going to say Armored Core because that's the other From Software franchise, but that's actually getting a new game anyway, isn't it? I think they announced it at E3 or yeah, something. I think so. Who's who's the three? The another one of their games is getting remastered. The like satire of American military. The one where you play as like the president and the gi president of America and the giant mech, like uh, trying to yeah. to squash out an uprising. That's Wolf something, isn't it? Yeah. I know which one you're talking about. I can't remember the name of it, but yeah. The one that is quite obviously, even from promotional material, a satire of American imperialism. But then if you look back at what people were saying about it when it originally released, it's just lots of very things about, oh, this game is so great. America is so great. This game is Japan realizing that America is so great. That wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> so if I Google uh, anyway. Digital America, fuck yeah, I get a tweet which says it's Metal Wolf Chaos. Metal Wolf Chaos. That's, that's right. the Devolver, one. Devolver Digital's got it somehow. Oh, Devolver Digital's doing it. Yeah. Oh, there you go. That's the one that looks really good. Anyway, 
yes on that note we're going to wrap the podcast <laughs> up for the week because yeah we've been rambling on about uh video games enough now we'll give you all a chance to recover until we're back next week uh we're going to finish the podcast on some lollipop chainsaw music because yeah great soundtrack <laughs>